So we are starting a new series today, which because there's so much light, ironically, you can't even see it, uh, called The Light of Love. Now, whenever we decided on this, this message series, uh, I didn't actually put two and two together that it was going to be communion on Sunday, and that was quite good because as I prepared, it all seemed to dovetail together. It's been clear over the past couple of weeks uh, that what Holy Spirit wants to do among us is for us to really embrace for ourselves what it means to be loved by Him. And in our culture, I'm going to unpack this, but in our culture, we are very, very good at saying, well, if I make it all about you, therefore I am doing what I should religiously be doing, rather than actually there are some times where God says, no, this is all about you. And in it being all about me or you, it's all about them. That sounds ridiculously complicated, doesn't it? But if until we can say yes to him, Instead of saying yes for everybody else, we can't really help other people to make their yes as well. So in this series, it may look like, for dear sake, here he goes again about the love of the Father. I may do that for the rest of my days. But it is all about the love of the Father. We want to be a church that practices what it preaches, don't we? We don't want to be saying, you know, if you do this with God, then uh, you're going to get to that place when actually we're not willing to do that for ourselves. So a bit like the Mind Matter series, there may be elements of today that you may find quite painful, hopefully in a very positive sense. If it is, just let the Holy Spirit point the finger in the way of conviction, a finger of love, not of accusation, into you might want to look at that. Or see that thing that you would often say, you might want to stop that. Or maybe you need to start this. So just... Give him his liberty to be the Holy Spirit. I'm not your Holy Spirit, nor is anybody else, and you're not your own. Give him the liberty to be the Holy Spirit and uh, deal with you as he would choose to. So we've got to know that we are deeply, specifically, and intimately known and loved by God. Can I ask, now this is one of these, I don't want to put my hand up. How many of you here would say you've really got a handle on that? Maybe is there a part of the Northern Irish thing? Couldn't possibly say that. That would be, you know, we've got to be the worm. Can't do that. No, no. Well, you know, he just, somehow Jesus died because he thought, well, I suppose I better die for him because, you know, dying for the rest. Is that how we think about it? Or can we maybe start to think about he actually really, really, really loves us? I was standing at the back thinking, you know, this whole uh, I'm not worthy, yes, I get it. But often what I hear behind the heart of I'm not worthy is, no, no, you don't understand. You may be worthy, but I'm not worthy. I know myself and I know the things that I've done. Now, if I give my life, say Isaac, my son, or Anna, or Claire, if I give my life for them and they spent the rest of their life saying I'm not worthy, what does that mean about the price that I paid? We do that though, don't we? Well, you know, I kind of, kind of accept that, you know, he died for me and he's God. And, but actually, no, I'm not going to receive any of the worth that he gives me by what he just did. He is not some cold and personal God who wound up the clock of humanity years ago, stands aloof that he might sort of somehow from afar go, jeepers, she did that again. Oh, come on. Oh, how many times is it going to take? 
that actually whenever you're dead, at some point, it's going to be God's opportunity at that point because then you're going to be able to see him because you can't really do relationship with him now because he wound up the clock years ago and stepped away. That at the point when you die, he's going to say, you know, Aaron, actually, you got it all wrong and you've been such a huge disappointment for me, but my son died for you, so you get to be in, but you're going to be against the wall somewhere in the back where it's slightly dark because we don't do dark in heaven. Is that what you think? No, definitely not. Do you think that you've committed the unpardonable sin? Do you think Jesus died for you and set you completely free? Or somehow you've sinned in a way that actually there's no way of coming back from that? And everybody goes, where's he going with this? What's this actually all about today? Why is he doing this to us? You are forgiven for all of it. Completely and utterly forgiven for all of it. Absolutely. If it happens again, you will be forgiven again. You may reap the consequences of what you've chosen to do, but you are forgiven and you are free. I was 25 and I uh, had made some mistakes. Don't want to go into that. I'm going to grab a tissue. I was 25, had made some mistakes, had made one particular mistake that haunted me all the time. And I had moments of elation in God's presence. And the rest of the time, I think I just felt utterly and totally condemned because I'd done something that I felt was really, really bad. So I was on this discipleship course. And I remember sitting in the chair and it was all about, you know, practical discipleship. And I said to God, God, do you really forgive me for that? And this is the point you think that at that point, heaven opened and God said, yes, I do. My I missed it. Missed it. Let me try again. Yes, I do. My son. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. There was no break in the clouds. There was no angel appeared. I just sat there. Then I was driving. A lot of my stories begin with that. I was driving along, and I was completely utterly ruined. Yet again, like the time I met him on the N5 towards Carrick. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and the Spirit said, the joy of sin's forgiven. The joy of sin's forgiven. That thing that had stalked me all of those days, and that accusing finger that pointed at that circumstance, I could see it again. I could see what I did. I could see how uh, it would probably make God feel, other people feel. The joy of sin's forgiven. And at that point, something switched and changed for me. And now I find that whenever I get something wrong, I really love him. So I normally clean up the people that I've hurt first or sometimes speak with him first. I don't want to get too religious about that. But I deal with the situation and then I go to him and go, I'm really sorry. Thank you. It's done. We've been discipled in unbelief. We have genuinely been discipled in unbelief. We've all been taught. You know, I remember having a conversation with my brother whenever I was in my early teens. Simon, do you ever think that you'll really know that you're going to heaven? He said, I don't know whether that's really possible. Why did he say that? Because everybody else around him was saying that. Well, you know, you can't be too sure. Well, you know, what about the unpardonable sin? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And well, you know, you can't really be sure. And who can really be sure? And those people who do think they're, they're sure, well, they're just lunatics. We've all been discipled in unbelief. And mark my words, God will hold you accountable for what you do not believe. We have more faith in punishment than we do in forgiveness. The hammer of punishment fell once on Jesus Christ so that it would never, ever fall on you. 
So if you're sitting here today and it is the fear and accusation of a punishment that should come to you because of the thing that you did wrong, you, my friend, do not know what Jesus did on the cross. Because he took it so that we don't have to. Why did he take it? So that we could be connected with the God who wanted to connect with us. Because we're worms? No, because we are treasure to him. Because he wants to do relationship with us. He wants to ask us, well, what do you think about that, son? And what would you like to do, son? And where would you like to go with this? And half the time we're asking him, God, where would you send me? Should I move my left foot three centimeters to the right or to the left? Is that your will this day? And he goes, just walk. What if I walk in the wrong direction, Father? Maybe there's not a wrong direction with this one. That does not sound like thee, Father. Well, I'm God. I can do whatever I want to do. Last week, I asked you to turn left, and you said it wasn't me, and you did it that way, and now this time I'm saying you're free to make a choice, and you're saying, that cannot be thee, Father. He wants to do relationship with us. He doesn't want to do robotic relationship that somehow is organized. I have to tell this story. So I was on a plane with Andrew Montgomery, and it was an 11-hour flight, and uh, he always has a tomato juice with pepper in it. I, I stopped and went, really? Really? And he said, leave me alone. So then I was sitting just watching movies, laughing my legs off. And Andrew's uh, journaling or something like that. And then an alarm goes off and he goes like this. Beep. I, you are so organized. He just, it functions like a machine. It's quite incredible. Now, I love Andrew dearly. He's not a machine. Your relationship with God is not a series of do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. It is a relationship. And he wants to relate to you. He wants to know what you think. He, wants, he knows anyway, but not in the sense it's different. I may know what my children are thinking. It is different if they come and share their thoughts with me. Is it not? You may have an idea of what a friend is thinking, but if of their own volition they come to you and say, do you know I was thinking this? You may know that you're deeply loved by somebody, but when they come and say to you, I really love you, is it not different? It's relationship. He wants relationship with you. The hammer of punishment fell once on Jesus Christ so that it would never fall on you. And this is 1 John 4, 18 to 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love, and we love because he first loved us. Bill Johnson, who's the senior pastor in Bethel, I've said this before, said that fear is faith in the devil. So let's repent from that. And repentance simply means turning away from and believing the truth. We are perfectly loved. Well, Colin, I don't feel it. Does that matter? What if you start to believe it and your emotions that are inherently rebellious actually yield themselves to the presence of the Spirit as your spirit leads and they start to respond to the truth. You are loved and he adores you. So let the light of his love, ta-da, even though you can't see it, illuminate all of the darkness in your life. Let it destroy all that the darkness has nurtured and cultivated. Let the light of his love shine on you and let his love blind you. Because when you let it blind you, that's when you're going to truly see who he is and what he's about. It's a bit like the airplanes. You know, the captain gets on. Captains always have that voice. Well, thank you for flying with us today. We're going to be cruising at uh, 3,000 miles an hour. They always have that kind of cocky kind of thing going on. And we'll be uh, 
possibly in space for a while. And uh, we're going to be going faster than you can understand, so we're going to call it knots. And if you'd like to lean back, relax, enjoy the flight, and listen to the safety announcement. And they go through the safety announcement, and then they say, do you know the ox- oxygen masks? If in case of an accident there will be, or whatever happens, there will be an oxygen mask that will fall down. What do they then say about the oxygen mask? Apply yours before you apply somebody else's. How many other people have gone, well, that's a wee bit selfish, isn't it? Yeah. Am I on my own with that? I'm like, mm, what are the airlines telling us for? Bet you it's about insurance. This is exactly the same. Why do they tell us to put our oxygen mask on first? If you can't breathe, what are you going to be eventually? Are you going to be able to help anybody when you're dead? This is exactly the same. Exactly the same. You need to breathe in the oxygen of heaven before you start telling other people about the oxygen of heaven, right? The oxygen of heaven is the love of the Father. It is forgiveness. And too, much, too many of us are going, if you just put on your oxygen mask, you'll be able to. And somehow we expect that at that point, God's going to go, well done, son. That was tremendous. You really loved sacrificially. Because isn't that sacrificial love being stupid? You need to know that he loves you. I'm going to bang on about this forever. Because it's the very thing that's going to change you. You want to tell people about his love? Receive it. So, Colin, is this all about me? Well, do you remember we did a a series on uh, It's All About Who? And one of the things that kept repeating over and over again was the most healthy and mature Christians are those who are ministering. And our wholeness is not found in pursuit of our wholeness, but in pursuit of Jesus Christ. So if you missed it at the start, I said that it's clear that what Holy Spirit wants to do is have us receive for ourselves that we are deeply and dearly loved. We are going after Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is saying, you need to receive the love that I have for you. This is not about us saying, well, we've got a, you know, this is all about me and I want to navel gaze and I want to stare at my issues. I'm not even talking about your issues. We all have them. What I'm saying is we need to not stare at our issues. We need to stare at him. Stare at him. So what impact will all of that have on our ministry to others? Because ultimately, isn't that where we want to go? We're talking about bringing people to, to come with us. And what we said about that is, well, why are you coming? What's your story? What is it that God's placed in your hand? Why do you keep coming back each week? You know, we're told that we're supposed to drag people to things when actually we're not really that passionate about it. Whereas those people who are passionate and full of life and have found benefit, they're the people that are going to be the ones that go, you want to have seen me before? My life was a mess. I really, really, really struggle with this. I don't struggle anymore. If you were struggling with something and someone came along and said, look, I don't struggle anymore. Do you want to come and find, you might find the same thing? I would be right there. And yet most of the time we come up with some religious phrase that is like, uh, do you want to, you should, you should really, uh, do you want to come to church on Sunday? Rather than look, I don't know, I can't, t- I can't really tell you. And I don't, seriously don't want to force you. But I just want to say that I'm changing and it's all for the good. You might find benefit in that too. Why don't you come? We're going out bowling. Oh, they're good crack. They're all pretty normal. He's a bit weird, but they're all pretty normal. The chicken's fantastic. Some people don't like the chicken. 
Not sin that we're going to excommunicate you if you don't like the chicken, but come on. Or the, the ladies are meeting for Starbucks. Come on and meet some of these people. Or churches on Sunday were talking about this. I actually found it was really good. There's a podcast there. Why don't you listen to that? Just exactly what Claire said. Stop making up people's minds for them before you actually give them the option of doing it. We offer in work, um, it's one of those upselling things. We offer in work two bags. Now, I worked in a business that was all about hard sell. Hard sell is awful. It's just like guilt and manipulation. What we do is we say, we have two bags. One's this price, one's this price. Which one would you like? We've got church on. Do you want to come? I'm going. We're going out bowling. Come on. They're good guys. You're not forcing them. You're not shoving them. You're simply giving them the respect and the free will to choose. So let's offer. We can only really and truly love because he first loved us. When you know that you're loved, you're free to make mistakes and you're free to be yourself. You're no longer afraid of punishment, rejection, abandonment. They cannot coexist with his perfect love. And that's why perfect love drives them out because perfect love is bigger and it's stronger. If I had, uh, let me see, have I got a box? I haven't. If I had a box and I said to you, this box is a box of evil, it has darkness in it. Could I show you the darkness? Why? Why could I not show you the darkness? Because what? Because it's daylight. And does the darkness go, I'm not getting out of here? Cannot stand. Even if there was darkness in there, you open up and you let yourself open to the light. We want to be a people who are transparent. We want to be a people who say, you know, actually, I don't know whether I've actually believed that Jesus did die for me. The minute that you do that, you're standing in a place of humility, you've let go of your pride, and you let the light of his love shine on you. We cannot give away what we do not have. Years ago, uh, I worked in a business called Venture Portraits, um, and I photographed this couple, and I always asked, what do you do? And they both said, we're business studies teachers, right? I said to them, so what businesses have you run? They said, we haven't run any. I went, okay. Yes, well, yes, I, yes, I, I, you know, I, I know all about the forgiveness of God and what he accomplished on the cross. Well, you see that that thing that you did, do you believe you're forgiven for that? Well, I don't really know that I do. It's such a lack of integrity. What we want to do this morning in particular, and as we go through this entire series, is if you have something that is deep and dark inside, right? Join the club. Open yourself up, say that you're sorry, and accept his forgiveness. And just let him wash you clean. You just have to open up. That's all you have to do. Because until we know it for ourselves, we cannot give it away. We don't know, particularly want to know things about God, although that's good. We want to know him. We want to know what he thinks. We want to know what he loves. We want, we want to know a sense of humor about situations. I remember ministering uh, years ago, walking along, and I, I said something like, I'm completely knackered. And inside me, I heard like, wait. Now, well, I don't know, would the Holy Spirit joke with you? Would he? Peter Kay may be incredibly inappropriate at times, but I guarantee you that God made him to be incredibly funny. So is it just, so we just reduce all of this to those who would profess to be believers, or did he create everybody?
that he put gifts within everybody. His gifts and his call are irrevocable. And their choice is as to what they're going to do with that. But I guarantee you that Peter Kay, I was reading some of his autobiography yesterday, wetting myself laughing in a coffee shop. And I was about, I actually wanted to spend time with God. I thought that's what I'd go there. And I thought, well, no, actually maybe this is. Maybe he's not quite what, what we imagined he would be. Maybe he's a lot more comfortable with himself, a lot funnier, a lot kinder doesn't remember things. Maybe he's actually quite senile when it comes to the things. And we go, uh, God, I, I did this. He's going, I, all I see is my son. Can't, you know that thing that I did on that date and I did this and this and this? No. Why not? I think you might need to forget that one too, son. This is actually about dying to self. Isn't that ironic? that we thought that this journey of dying ourselves was simply about making it about everybody else, when actually this, for us, is an unexpected death. Ironically, accepting his love and letting him love us is letting the light of his love come into us and kill us. It's a death to self. And when you refuse to embrace his love for you, you make it all about you, because you're saying that you know better, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is pride. When you forget, this is, this is harsh, but it's loving, and please hear it as that. When you refuse to forgive what God has forgiven, you are believing and proclaiming that the cross was not enough. And I know that that's hard to hear. And it's okay. And that type of pain is necessary. We'll let it drive a knife into any pride that it, it exposes So let's walk through the doorway of this conviction into the humility that he has for us. The sacrifice that Jesus Christ made is enough. Let the light of his love illuminate the lack of integrity present in our desire to tell other people that it's for them, but we genuinely don't believe that it's for us. We may say that we believe it's for us, but you and I both know that as we're sitting here, there are some of us, and maybe all of us are going, yep, you got me. I totally believe that's for other people, but for that thing in me, I didn't believe that was for me. You see the thing that you think is hardest to forgive? That's the one that you want to go after this morning. That's the thing that you want to settle. Please, please this morning. This is about dealing with this. Make this a red letter day. Make this a line in the sand moment. As always, we're going to give you opportunity to respond. But if you find that there's this thing that you're going, I just, it just seems too big, that's the thing that he wants to go after. Let go of the familiarity of the darkness, whether it's your lack of self-worth or the lack of self-worth that you believe. It's not yours, but you've taken it as yours. Your readiness to entertain accusation and voices that lie to you. You know, the deceptive tongues that crush your spirit. The fear of punishment. Or that I'm living out in the cold when actually God's prepared this beautiful warm room for you that is all yours. Or whatever it is that you go for for comfort instead of going to him. Whether it's movies or food or other people or starving yourself or alcohol or sex or whatever it is that you go to other than him. Whatever it is, you want to nail that thing to the cross and you want to run to your father. He is the father of lights. Now, the best thing about this series is, as we started to talk about it, uh, my mind just started to explode with all of these different things that we could talk about. 
So we're going to unpack this over the weeks. He is the Father of Lights. Do you know that song? Father of Lights, you the light. And you're... Okay, somebody throw me a bone, would you? Somebody smile go, I do, Colin, I know that song. Yes, nobody? No? Unbelievable. YouTube it. Father of Lights, you delight in your children, trust me. Moving swiftly on. James 1 verse 7, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So the Father is light. He's not shifty. There's no darkness in him at all, at all. And the words lights in Greek is phaino. And what the definition of that is, is to shine, is to shed light. (laughs) Not the type of light you find in the shed, but to shed light, to shine, to become visible, to appear, to become clear, to appear, to seem to show themselves. He is light, and he is a father. And if he's a father, what does that mean that he has? He is children. We produce after the nature of who we are, and what he reproduces is children, and those children are children of light. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit, and he is love. 1 John 4.16 And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. It is his nature. It is the nature of love. Can I get you guys up? Let me read my version of 1 Corinthians 13.48. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. Nor does he dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. God keeps no records of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. And God always perseveres. God never fails. That is who he is. Does that sound different to the God that you think you serve? He's not easily angered. He doesn't rejoice when we get it wrong. He just rejoices with the truth. He always hopes. He always perseveres. Aren't you thankful for that? He never fails. So let his love shed light on who you are. Can I ask you to stand with me? So I hope that what you hear this morning is that if you feel that you cannot be forgiven, you are believing a lie. That if you really, really want to minister to others, then you need to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. There is nothing too big. There is no chasm too far that the cross cannot build the bridge for. So can I ask you this morning, um, do you have sins that you keep getting accused of? Even though you have said, I'm sorry, but you haven't really received forgiveness for it. Have you had more faith in your lack than in his provision? Or do you need to receive and accept God's forgiveness for no matter what that's about? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then please come and join me at the front. that sometimes it's very, very difficult. But we also know that you know that. And that this is a kingdom that requires us to overcome ourselves to be able to come to you. 
so I ask Holy Spirit that you would increase your presence among us this morning that you would leave no stone unturned that you would not let us away with anything because your love is relentless and you are the hound of heaven so come and increase your presence among us and we want to worship you in spirit and truth come